I pay homage to the Buddha. I pay homage to the Dhamma. I pay homage to the Sangha. Good morning, everybody. Uh, this morning I had to get some gas for my car and new batteries for my recorder. And I was thirsty, too. So I'm trying this out today. And it's called, I think it's Bai. And it this flavor is antioxidant cocoa fusion, which is not a phrase I thought I'd say today. Or ever, really. But uh, I thought I'd share the funny name because uh, cocoa fusion just... Has me giggling. Uh, so what I want to talk about today is uh, mudita, or uh, sometimes translated as sympathetic joy, or appreciative joy, or empathetic joy, sometimes even um, unselfish joy. And I want to talk about that and Christmas because I've been thinking about Christmas a lot lately. It's almost upon us. And uh, even for those of us who are Buddhists, we are in America where Christmas is practically a national holiday. And many of us are converts to Buddhism, which means we have a lot of family members celebrating Christmas. And so we often end up celebrating too. I know I do. And the reason why I'm tying this topic to uh, mudita or you know, sympathetic joy, is because my birthday is the day after Christmas. So practically on Christmas. And you get really good at sympathetic joy when you share your birthday with Jesus Christ. Now, uh, for those of you who, who may not know, Mudita is one of the Brahma Vihara. So we, in those, we have four divine abodes. And the ones that often get the most attention are loving kindness and compassion. Equanimity also gets its fair share, but usually in respect to meditation and concentration. But sympathetic joy really doesn't seem to get as much attention when really it's, it's one of the four divine abodes and one of the qualities that we're encouraged to cultivate. So... Let's start with Christmas. Growing up as a kid, I really just did think Christmas was my birthday. As far as I was concerned, Christmas Eve, Christmas, and the day after were just a three-day gift extravaganza ex precisely for me. I remember even being five years old, waking up one morning and saying to my mom, It's my birthday! And she said, No, it's not. It's Christmas. And I thought in my head, Same thing! And uh, that was something interesting to, to experience as a kid, where for you, your birthday is a time when everybody gets presents, not just you. For most kids, your birthday is a very special day. You get to wake up, and it's a day just for you, and you know your parents cater to your wishes. You go to Disneyland, maybe. Maybe there's a cake, cool little toys. But for me, I wake up and there's still a Christmas tree, people are tired from Christmas, I'm drinking eggnog and hot chocolate. It just still feels a lot like Christmas. I remember when I was about six years old, my, my uncle, he's only six months younger than me, he had his birthday in June, and 
we're we're celebrating his birthday and he's getting all of these toys, Ninja Turtles mostly, which we were both big fans of. And I thought, hey, how come I'm not getting any toys? It's someone's birthday. Don't we all get presents? You can see the complete misunderstanding I had in terms of birthdays and a holiday like Christmas. But sympathetic joy, I think, uh, is a good way for, for any of us to approach something like Christmas. You know, as, as Buddhists, we have uh, a very different understanding of the holiday, let's say, as it's practiced in, in the U.S. I know that I have a very nuanced understanding because from a very early age, I began practicing a lot of religions, not just Buddhism, but I also practiced paganism. And what I learned really early on is that Christmas actually shares a lot of traditions from various pagan traditions in Europe, you know, from Saturnalia and the Roman tradition and, you know, Yule in the, in the Norse tradition and has all these little things that's picked up over time. And, uh, and so that, that flavors my experience of the holiday. And I remember learning this really early on, around 9, 10 years old, and I held Christmas as a kind of fascination. And I'd want to tell all the Christians in my family, do you know about Christmas and all of its pagan roots? And for some reason, they weren't interested. I'm not sure why. But uh, maybe there was an uncritical look at the Christmas tree and why it exists. Sort of like Easter and the bunny. Like, has anyone figured that out yet? Why is there a bunny? What does that have to do with anything? The tree itself probably has a lot of Norse stuff going on there with Yggdrasil and the world tree and all of that. But again, a very, a very nuanced understanding. I think something similar happens for Buddhists during the holiday because Christians are celebrating something very specific. If we're looking at Christmas not as something secular, but as something religious, they're celebrating the birth of their Savior. And for Buddhists, we have a savior, but it's the Buddha, and a savior in the sense more of a teacher, someone showing us the way to save ourselves. So it's a very different understanding of what a savior might be, and what a savior is. And we might approach the holiday, at least for myself, I can only speak for myself, I don't approach it as someone celebrating the birth of their savior, like my savior but I can recognize that that might be what's happening for some of my family members. For them, that is their reality, something that they are experiencing. And for them, it's a joyous occasion. You'll see the word joy emblazed everywhere. Target, maybe? I don't know. I know I've seen it around, the word joy in red. It's a big joyous time. And I think that we can participate in that joy in a sympathetic way. I know that for myself, Christmas is one of my favorite holidays. It's my birthday. For a long time, I've called it Birthmas, very affectionately. The last five years, I've even celebrated Birthmas with my friends. I think it's catching on. We might have traditions at some point, might even have a Birthmas tree. I don't know, but, but we might be getting there. But it really is one of my favorite holidays. But it's not something that I would actually celebrate just for myself. 
If no one else was celebrating Christmas in my life, I wouldn't be trying to drag a tree into my house and put it up and stick a bunch of lights on it and then buy gifts and everything. I wouldn't get involved in all of that. I don't really care about those things. What I like about Christmas is that it's a time of celebration and people are celebrating a lot of different things. Buddhists, too, can celebrate. Celebrate the joy that others are experiencing. I find that I have to do this because I'm not a very materialistic person. I'm not looking to get presents. I don't want a bunch of fancy things. And my family will be the first to tell you that I'm notoriously difficult to shop for. They're always wondering, what do you want? I don't want anything. What kind of gift can we give you? I don't want one. But what I've learned over the years is that the gifts are not for me. The gifts are for them. They want to share something with me. They want to give something to me. And I can respect the joy in that. I can have an empathetic bond with them over that. So what I've gotten in the practice of doing is having a well-stocked Amazon wish list. And you might do the same. For me, though, I don't put anything drastically expensive on there. Some people might get a little greedy and throw a, a flat screen up on there. Generally, what I put on are books that I would buy myself. $12, $14. At this point, I'm reading a lot of really big Buddhist tomes that are $25 to $30 sometimes. And, and that's what I put up on there. Things that I would, I would buy myself, but people want to know what they can buy me. All right. Fair enough. This is an attitude I've cultivated, which works for me, and it doesn't always work for everyone. My wife is not a big fan of this tactic of mine, uh, mostly because she also suffers from the same problem. What do I get you? We share the same account. If I buy anything on your Amazon, you get the email right away. How do I surprise you? You can't. So my wife has gotten sneaky, crafty, crafty in more ways than one. She also makes gifts. And that is such an, a wonderful expression of, of joy and, and celebrating our ability to do things with our hands and, and give them to other people that we love. And she's so good at this. So, you know, if some of you have not met my wife yet, I, I hope you do. She's such a good Buddhist without actually being one. And... She loves to have hobbies and crafts. And what I love is that when a lot of people see this holiday as, as a, an, a, a consumerist holiday, they go off into the malls, which is a bad idea. From Black Friday onward, it's just, it's, it's got to be one of the hell realms in Buddhism. I think if we look at the list and roll down, we'll see malls at Christmas time somewhere on there. We should look and investigate this. So the fact that my, my wife will sidestep that entirely and then and they make handcrafted gifts she's gotten into knitting recently and crocheting now we have more scarves in the house than we'll ever possibly need but she's getting really good at it and and i find that it's this it's this thing that she can do that's that's an expression of of love of compassion of joy so bringing it bringing it back to my experience of birthmas it's something that I started to see 
I could share with others. That my birthday wasn't just for me. That everybody gets a gift. That everybody gets something special. That everyone's invited to the party. And trust me, around this time of year, I get so excited. It's amazing to see everyone celebrating my birthday. Lights everywhere. <laughs> Big celebrations. You know, they even have this guy that is probably a future me with a beard and a big belly and some red clothes. You know, that's probably how I'll look in a few years. I think they're celebrating me. I'm a jolly guy, you know. And, and it's, it's something that, that I had to use as part of my practice. To, to sidestep my, my own ego. To sidestep my jealousy. You know, one of the... One of the enemies of mudita, of, of the sympathetic joy, is envy, jealousy. For a long time, I was jealous of other people with their own separate and unique, distinct birthdays that they didn't have to share with Jesus Christ. And they got to have two presents. They didn't get the, here's the present for Christmas and your birthday. I always wanted to do that for someone in like August. Like, here you go. It's for Christmas and your birthday. <laughs> Expect nothing in December. You know? And that doesn't seem very Buddhist. But, you know, there it is. There's, there's that little kernel of, of, of jealousy, of, of, of envy and, and resentment. And um, schadenfreude, you know? Like, enjoying other people's misery. Like, here's your one gift. How do you like it? Not very good. But it can be a form of practice to notice that, to see that, and then pull back and allow yourself to be generous. Allow yourself to see the joy that others are experiencing, even if it is not your own distinct joy. So for me, Christmas is a, a beautiful time where I get to really hone in and focus on egolessness, to step out of my own way and recognize that on December 26th, when I want to go out to dinner on my birthday, all of my favorite restaurants are closed. And everyone's still tired from Christmas. So I get to celebrate with everyone else on the 24th and the 25th. That gets to be my birthday. Where I'm giving gifts to everyone else in the room too. Now, I think that in truth, sympathetic joy is something that has permeated in, in Christmas all along. It just took Buddhists to exist and look at it and point it out. If you look at the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, his whole journey towards the Christmas spirit is really a growth of the Brahma Vihara, but also sympathetic joy. We have Ebenezer Scrooge being a man who doesn't see anyone else. He only sees himself, filled with greed, miserliness. He's filled with, with anger towards others, jealousy towards others, bitterness towards others. He doesn't want to share his life with anyone else. He celebrates alone, actually not at all. He just goes up to his house and sleeps by himself. And it takes a bunch of really creepy ghosts to show him the Christmas spirit, you know. But he grows in his understanding of other people, seeing them, appreciating them. You know, the whole thing with Tiny Tim, all of that, if you look at it, shows you that, ah, yes, there are other people in the world. All of them living their lives, all of them on their journey, all of them with their own complex feelings inside. It's recognizing the inherent humanity in all of us and realizing that when someone is truly experiencing happiness, truly experiencing joy, you can have a, a spontaneous feeling of, of, of reciprocation, of feeling what they're feeling, feeling 
their happiness as if it were your own, without any attachment, without any, any ego. And I think this becomes so important in our modern time where we're so caught up in what's happening in other people's lives. We are more connected in other people's lives, or at least the apparency of their lives, the apparent version of their lives that they put up on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. They're, they're a very well-manicured representation of all their fun they're having. It's amazing to see how, how many people look at social media, see the lives of others, and are filled with envy and jealousy. Why isn't my life as exciting as that? Check it out, they're in Spain. I'm not in Spain. I'm on the toilet with my phone, you know? And, and we have those moments. And it can, it can even strike around the holidays, especially if we don't have a large family. My experience is a large family. I'm, I'm Hispanic. I've got more cousins than I can name, more people that are related to me than I even know. And it's always uh, a big revolving door of strangers that I'm related to at the holidays. And we all celebrate it together. We all go to my grandmother's house and, and it's a huge time and big celebration. We're eating tamales and pozole and all sorts of stuff, you know, and it's fun. But other people have small families. Some people have no families. And then they have another experience during the holiday season. They experience loneliness. They experience sadness. They experience isolation, and it's not uncommon for people to be very sad and depressed during this time of year. You know, the sun's not around a lot. We're not getting a whole lot of vitamin D. You know, if you have a nine-to-five office job, you wake up in the morning, it's dark. You go to work, you're in the office all day. You come out, it's dark. Where'd the sun go? I thought this was California, not Alaska, but there you go. There's no sun. And a lot of people feel that way. And then they got no one to go home to. There's no celebration to look forward to. Christmas rolls around and I don't know, where are they? Denny's? Who knows, right? But there's some people that that's their experience. For those of us who are, who are Buddhists and, and walking the path and cultivating the wholesome qualities that the Buddha recommends, we can em embrace the happiness we see on others and, and decide to go and be generous to others. If we can't make ourselves happy, something happens when we make others happy. We seem to find the happiness inside us as well. And that's a beautiful thing. That this whole time of year with, with gift giving might actually be more about the giving of gifts than the receiving them. And people have talked about this for a long time. We, we know this. But even the concept of gift, we, we usually understand in a very consumerist way. That gifts are goods that are given. For us who are practicing Buddhists or interested in Buddhism, we might approach gift-giving in a different way. Even in terms of just our presence, we can just be present for others, to be really there and to see them and know them and experience the joy that is their lives. I think about this with my, my sister who recently asked me for a present. But what she wants is one of those uh, stands for like a cookbook so that she can have it open in, in the kitchen. And it's, it's, a, it's an easy gift to get, get you know, for her. Maybe 20 bucks, something like that, something cheap I can get on Amazon and it'll go to, to her place and whatever. But when I think about what the gift represents, there's so much joy to be had there. This is something that she's going to use in her kitchen so that she has recipes to make 
food for her husband and her daughter so that she can, can give to others. It's, it's something that will continue to give in her home and touch the lives of her loved ones. And it's such a simple thing. And it didn't have to be a physical thing, but it happens to be. But it's so much more than that. How can we touch other people's lives in small ways? Because those small ways have a, have a way of, of picking up momentum. In Buddhism, we often talk about dana, generosity. And I think that if we really are holding generosity in the right way, it's always going to have with it, inherent in it, that response of joy when we see others happy because we've given to them. It's not always something that we bought online. I think oftentimes it's just being around others. Human connection, human interaction. I think one of the things that we often assume about Buddhism is that because the, the focus is on our cultivation of our minds, our actions, our thoughts, our words, that we, we introspect and, and meditate, that it's, that it's a solitary path that we walk. But in truth, the path has always been about community from, from the very beginning. You know, all Buddhists are part of what's known as the Chattuparisa, the fourfold assembly of monks and nuns and lay people, all working together, all living together, all practicing together, all giving generously to each other. And this is something that I have seen in so many temples that I've gone to, to be and practice with other Buddhists, especially dur during our own celebration of the birth of our Savior, which was Vesak. You go to temples during Vesak, so much generosity, so much stuff just being given, given to the monks and the nuns and given to each other. I, I, I've, I go to temples and I'll, I don't think I'll ever go hungry. I'll, I'll, I'll never be uncomfortable because there, there's always people looking after my comfort when I go. Look, this chair is more comfortable. Sit here. No, no, over here. You, 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 are you thirsty? Do you want something to drink? Have some tea. No, no, you need this special thing. Have you tried this? So many people invested in the comfort of others who are strangers. And this is something that, that I think that we can cultivate in America as American Buddhists as well. That it's something that, that we can practice with each other in, in this community, in this Chattuparisa, but also in, in our day-to-day -day lives, in seeing how we can increase the comfort of others and decrease their suffering and see what happens inside when we do things for others, when we give of ourselves to others. Are we experiencing that, that joy? Or do we have this sense that we're owed something, that people should be giving to us? I know I had a little bit of that. I still have a little bit of that. Yesterday, my wife and I were uh, up in Solvang to, to celebrate a friend's birthday. You know, she wanted to go and be in Solvang, all of us December babies, all of us celebrating birthmas in our own special way. And we went up to Solvang to celebrate and have a good time in this beautiful little village town that's been constructed, fabricated to be somewhere in Europe. And, and it, they fix it all up so it's Christmassy with lights and everything. And you get the whole experience of being in a, a winter wonderland without any of the snow or inconvenience. It's great. People love it. And we had a good time. 
But we got there in the morning. We left the house at six o'clock in the morning, drove there to Solving, took a two and a half hour drive. We got there at 8.30 in the morning. We meet up with our friends and we all decide we're hungry, we're gonna go to breakfast. We find a place, we go to sit down for breakfast. I'm looking at the menu. I see this omelet. Ah, this is the omelet I want. This is tasty, it's gonna have all the things I want in it. And I tell my wife, this is the omelet. She goes, oh, that sounds like a good omelet. I got an idea. Last time I was here, I got this other thing on the menu, the chilaquiles, and those were, those were great. How about you get the chilaquiles, I get the omelet, and then we'll share. That way we both get two good things. And I thought, yeah, but what I want is the omelet. But I thought, you know what? No, for my wife. And then I ordered the chilaquiles. And the thing is, I do like chilaquiles when they're good. These ones were not. And they, they're brought out, and they're put on my... On my on my table there, right in front of me. And they're not as impressive as I thought. And she looks at, the, at that, and then looks at something that another person ordered, and she goes, you know what, no, I actually ordered that thing. That's not what I ordered. Oh, I'm sorry. And then proceeds to eat the omelet while I'm stuck with the chilaquiles I didn't even want, and she's enjoying the omelet I wanted. And there you go. Perfect example of jealousy, envy, greed, resentment, there she is, eating my omelet. It's an omelet. So I ate my chilaquiles. They were not very satisfying, but food, nourishment for the body. And I got to watch my wife and enjoy a delicious omelet that I knew would be delicious. But she enjoyed it. And that's, that's how it happens. All of the stuff that we practice, it comes up in the most innocuous in all ways, you know, it's just the little moments in our lives. It's the same thing that we talk about sympathetic joy as this large concept, and it is. But it can also arise over the breakfast table when someone's eaten something you wanted. You know what? Enjoy it. Have, have a good time with omelet. I'll get it next time. Or maybe I won't. Maybe I'll try something else. But the point is to really just be there for others. And, and, to, and to cultivate a, a level of selflessness. Now, I, I do think that in the, in the West, uh, as American Buddhists, it, it really is up to us to, to cultivate the path in these interesting ways, to think about how it fits into, into our lives, where a lot of us are going to be celebrating Christmas. I know that I am. I'm going to be celebrating Christmas from the 21st to the 25th or so. 26th, not so much this year. It turns out my wife will be working on my birthday. So I will be probably hanging out with some friends. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but probably not celebrating in the typical way. I generally don't. But there will be this long Christmas extravaganza. And it's just a, a part of my life and, and a part of my culture. And so it's up to me to approach it as a Buddhist, to search for the Buddhist context and to search for the meaning that I'm going to attribute to it. And, you know, this is something that they traces all the way back to the Buddha, who was living in a time when there was another predominant religion established that was so ingrained in society that there very much was a certain way things were done, certain rituals that had to be observed, certain customs that had to be upheld. 
And disciples would come to the Buddha and they say, hey, I'm, I'm practicing now as your disciple. I've, I've taken refuge. Do I just throw all these things away? Do I ig ignore my teachers? Do I ignore my parents? Do I ignore this? And he said, of course not. And what he would often do is, is teach a way to uphold those traditions, but to give it new context, new life, and new meaning that helps to cultivate the qualities of an arahant, to cultivate the qualities of an enlightened being, a liberated being. And so that's what I intend to do with this holiday season, with my big birthmas extravaganza of seeing how this applies to my life and my practice as a Buddhist, to see how I can make myself a little less the focus of my life and make others the focus so that I grow in loving kindness, that I grow in compassion, that I grow in sympathetic joy, and also equanimity. That was also there in the omelet incident of 2018, as I will now refer to it forever. So I think, um, I think that's a good place to, to stop. Um, but I, I will say that whatever I'm talking about in, in, in respect to my own life experience, I recognize it won't be the same for you, that uh, you may not suffer from the birth miss dilemma. Uh, you may not actually have ever really celebrated Christmas. I don't know. And, and it may not really work that way in your life. But I hope that, that sharing the experiences did make you think about sympathetic joy and something that you might be able to cultivate in your lives to experience the happiness of others as if it is your own happiness and to, to really see people and, and know them and appreciate their presence and to offer your own presence in, in, in return, to really be there, really see them. Because that's the, that's the intimacy of the practice. That, that's really what we're, we're after. It, it's not cold and detached, this path that we walk. We're always growing in awareness, growing in wisdom, and growing in and a, a real love of sentient beings. And, and that happens slowly but surely, little by little, in these small moments in our lives. I think I'll end there. Thank you. Uh, thank you.